Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of the Red Carpet to Trailer Trash podcast. My name is Ian Collins, and joining me as always, Mr. Connor Rock. How are you doing? What the, f- what the, what the fuck was that? What? You just hello, hello, hello us. Oh, no. That's not how this goes. Oh, no. Did I mix it up? <laughs> I think you did. Oh, God. We can restart. Nah, it's here now. It's done. It's too late. But uh, here, look, we'll, we'll tra- well, every every mistake is really an opportunity. So uh, why did you make that m- mix up? Mix uh, it up with what? Uh, I mixed it up because that is how I introduce our uh, my other podcast, which I do. It's basically a current events podcast until sports comes back. Uh, but it's called Fade the Public, and I typically do the hello, 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 and welcome on there. But uh, I, I fucked up. I did not do the welcome, welcome, welcome to yet another edition of the Fade the, of the... Uh, damn it, I fucked that up, oh too. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm just uh, all over the place. This weekend left me a little, uh, little out of sorts, I suppose. It's Tuesday, but it feels like Monday. But hey, at least you got, you got the plug in early, so it was... Like I said, every mistake is an opportunity, and that's how you got to capitalize on it. But this is Red Carpet to Trailer Trash. Did you say that? Yeah, you got the rest out, right? Yes. Okay. So all that all that stuff, that's accurate. All the stuff is the same, just the first three words weren't really. But, that's, uh, how... uh, that's 40 lashes for me tonight. <laughs> Mark it down in the lash book. How was your, uh, your, your weekend, your holiday weekend? I did almost nothing. Yeah, that's kind of we we did as well. It was great. <laughs> I mean, normally I'd say it was great, but my my parents were like big on trying to get me to go to their place. But we have been hardcore. Like we're we're quarantining. We're quarantining. Call it call it a day. Uh, so we didn't do anything there. We just did a lot of like virtual stuff. Uh, you were there for some of it. I was. Um, that is a thing that I did. Yeah. So we did we did that stuff, and then kind of just laid around and drank and yeah that's really about it it's good stuff we made like big ass hot dogs kielbasas no just like the regular hot dogs but they're like the better ones i don't know how to describe it was it like the the ballpark franks yeah that might that might be it we made those and i haven't had a hot dog and well i guess not as long as i'd like to think but i've i've my hot dog. I used to eat a lot of hot dogs. I like. I guilty pleasure of mine was shoes hot dogs. Fucking loved them. They were the, garbage. One of I the know. one of the best deals you'll ever get. Two hot dogs for a dollar. Yeah, like I, just the fact that that deal exists has to make you skeptical of if it's actually food. But uh, it's, I think technically speaking, it is food. But I wouldn't argue in favor of that. Too stringently. Yeah, the the nutritional value has to be zero. But so it reminds me reminds me of the uh, the comedian who said that Taco Bell took uh, was accused of only having fifty percent real meat in their uh, in their hamburger and their beef tacos, and uh, yeah. Taco Bell took out a full page ad in like the New York Times or the Washington Post or something, and said, "Fuck you, it's eighty. <laughs> I'm surprised it's that high. Taco Bell is legit dog food. I mean, I love it, but it's I think it's dog food. It is that you want to talk about guilty pleasure. Taco Bell is my guilty pleasure. I, I mean, I don't know if you need to be like guilty about that though, because I think a, a lot of people like Taco Bell. I'm sure a lot of people like Sheets hot dogs though too. But I think I, guess, more, yeah. I think more people like. Uh, Taco Bell reminds talking about Sheets reminds me of how people would always argue about which is better Wawa or Sheets or uh, uh, there's some other gas stations that also sell food and it's always beg the question why do you why are you arguing about which gas station you prefer to get your food from there are restaurants okay. Sheets is more than a gas station I would argue Wawa at this point is as well it's a cultural statement yeah, you, you kind of, maybe. I don't know. Where do you stand on, on that debate, though? Like Wawa, versus Wawa. Wawa has better sandwiches, but the uh, the appetizers at Sheets are better. Okay. Because Kate and I have this fight all the time, because she loves Wawa. 
And I think Wawa has better food, but they don't have like as big as a selection. So I think Sheets wins with like variety or quantity, but Wawa's got the quality. And also, I don't know, there's always been a special place in my heart because we always got to, we also used to get it when I was like a kid. Sheets like steak and cheese subs. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I just, re- I really like them. They're not great steak and cheese subs, but they're. No, they most certainly are not. Um, yeah, the, they are for me. The quality of the food at Sheets is not not great, but it's that's why I would pick them only if I was going for appetizers like the fried food because that's really just kind of generic and run of the mill. And they, it's like hard, you said, hard to fuck it up. Yeah, yeah, like you said, they have a wider variety. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, if I wanted like actual like halfway decent food. Then you gotta go to you gotta go to Wawa instead. Maybe my memory is skewed though, because the, the last sheets I've eaten at for like four years was the Morgantown sheets that was staffed by just a bunch of college kids who did not give a shit. So like half the time you wouldn't even get your order right, and you're just like, all right, well, this is what Daddy Sheets wanted me to eat today. <laughs> Good old Daddy Sheets. Yeah, but my uh, my cousin actually went to school with like some of the Sheets kids, or, like the grandkids maybe. I don't remember. Back up in uh, good old Altoona, Pennsylvania. What were they like? I don't know. I don't remember. He told me about it back when he was like we were. I guess we were both in high school at the time, so it's been it's been some time. I, the only part I retained was that they existed. Oh, and uh, I guess this is a good time that we should probably just take a hot second here to talk about or at least tell what movies we're talking about. Hold on, did I have this revelation last week or did I have it after? in editing, where I was like, we don't really need to do this because it's the title of the episode. Hmm. Well, it's still nice. You also didn't tell me that. polite. I did. You did not, no. Oh, yeah, it was maybe then after we got off, but like, that's what every episode is just titled the movies we're talking about, so I think like they know... Some people just don't listen, that's fine. (laughs) I think all the people don't listen. (laughs) All right, but uh, that, we're talking we're talking about the killing of a sacred deer, and natural born killers. Yep. Which I think every week we seem to have some kind of thematic connection, but this week, aside from like the name, the word kill, I, there's not really one. No, I I think that it's also sort of been a pretty common theme that we'll have one like more widely popular and well-known movie uh, and then another that's just really obscure because I don't think most people have heard of The uh, the Killing of a Sacred Deer. Uh, yeah, probably not. I don't know. Is Natural Born Killers, is that like widely popular? Or I'm not sure if it was popular, uh, but it's pretty widely known. I okay. mean, it was, yeah, it was an Oliver Stone movie back in the 90s. Had Robert Downey Jr., Woody Harrelson. I guess it did have a lot of big names in it. Yeah, Tommy mm-hmm. Lee Jones was there too. Yep. But we'll we'll get into that in a minute. Um, I guess I don't know. This week this week's been kind of slow. I don't know. I've had that much bullshit to to bullshit. Um, I did break. I ha- I've started. I don't know. I've lost all motor function or like coordination, and I've broken like three glasses in the last two weeks. So that's something that's going on with my life. I've been picking glass and vacuum up glass and picking it out of the garbage disposal, which has been just super fun hobbies. You but may want to uh, just start using solo cups. Well, it's your ideology that has led me here, Mr. Bougie. Yeah, well, I can do that because I don't break my glasses every, t- every three <laughs> times in two weeks. Although to, to there, be... was, there was a span during my last year in college where every time I had people over someone would break a wine glass of mine, and I was getting really pissed about it. <laughs> it wasn't the same person either. It was just a completely random person every time. But it always happened, and I really started losing my patience. They're just helping you pack, man. I don't know what to tell you. But also, in my defense... It was in it October. Is... Okay, well, <laughs> fair enough. Helping you pack long term. But uh, in my defense, it's always been when I'm, like, doing the dishes. So, like, when I'm unloading or loading the dishwasher, I just, like... Well, today I had a cabinet open, and I guess I just I don't have spatial awareness anymore. And, like, I brought up 
the glass, and it was kind of like this weird, like very thin wine glass type glass. And as I was bringing it up, like the rim of the glass caught on the bottom of the cabinet and just broke off. But other ones, I've just completely like missed the shelf when I'm shelving them, and it just fell in. Sh- that was a tough day because I had to vacuum for like 40 minutes. That's Phoebe unfortunate. Phoebe hates the vacuum. That is unfortunate. Yeah, so that's that's really all I got going on in my life. Um, breaking breaking glasses, and I don't I don't have a rhyme. So, well, I will. Uh, good news for me, I'll finally be able to. Uh, Leave my apartment and go, I guess, to get a haircut is the only place I'm allowed to go by Friday. Um, oh, man. Now, that having been said, uh, the governor of Virginia said that people would be required to wear masks when they were out in public now. Uh, oh, as of yeah, this, I did. He announced that this morning, and then it would go into effect on Friday. Um, so I just purchased a balaclava. So that's fun. A, what? a balaclava. What the fuck is a balaclava? It's like a uh, it's like a mask thing that's meant to protect from uh, skiers from getting UV uh, damage, like UV light when they're out skiing all day. And I think it might also like pre- prevent wind burn and stuff. You put it over your neck and fa- and the bottom part of your face, and then uh, then you okay. wear like a toboggan on top. Yeah. Okay. I have. I've seen those. I've never heard them called whatever the hell it was. You just. I thought you were having a stroke. A balaclava, not to be mistaken yeah. for the baklava, which is an incredibly overrated pastry from the Mediterranean. Yeah. Didn't we just talked about baklava the other day, and I had no idea where it was from. I thought it was like very Middle Eastern. It is. It's Greek and then Middle Eastern. Oh, okay. Well, then somebody, wait, maybe you weren't, you clearly weren't there because I was like, I thought it's Middle Eastern. And everyone's like, you buffoon. No, so. it's, it's from, uh, it's basically anywhere around the Mediterranean. Uh, Mediterranean food has it, but it's typically associated with like Lebanese food. Uh, yeah, okay. So that's why like Alibaba had it at the Morgantown yeah. Airport. Turkish food has it, yeah. Which. Airport's charitable, but I guess planes do fly out of there. But okay, I now I feel I feel better. I'm gonna have to go yell at I don't remember who it was, but just gonna blanket yell at everyone who isn't you and see who like throw my net out, see who responds. That type of deal. I mean you could just calmly but, ask someone if they were the nah. person before. <laughs> nah, just You're right, that's like, that's far less fun. Let's just let's just scratch that. Start out ice cream about Baklava. Um so are you going? To, are you getting a haircut? I guess everywhere is probably going to be like booked for ten years. Yeah, no, I I'm going to hold off on getting a haircut, um, mostly because I don't know which places are actually going to be open by that point. Because the places I would be going, the places closest to me are in the malls, and I'm not sure if they'll be open. Uh, yeah. So there's that, and yeah, so I'm just kind of. I I pretty much I'm just gonna let it grow out until probably the start of July, at the at the latest. You should get a man bun. Or I could not do that. <laughs> All right, I guess. Do you have video meetings? Like when when we video chatted the other day, it's like it's getting pretty long. I mean, not like unruly long, but it's the longest I think I've ever seen it. It's getting up you there. Gotta, yeah. So do you have video meetings where you have to, like, do things with it, or do you say, like, fuck it? I mean, I have video meetings where, like, I could do something with it, but I normally just sort of comb my hair in the morning so that it's not looking disheveled, and that's about the extent of it. That's fair. I mean, it's not, like, super-duper long. It's just pretty long. Yep. Could invent, you, or not invent, you should make a Floby like I did. I told you about that a couple weeks ago, I you, think. You did. I think I'll be fine without cutting my own hair. <laughs> so you get to you get to make a thing. I'll, ju- I'll just let it grow out, and then I'll just start doing the Patrick Bateman, where I just put gel in my hair and slick it back. <laughs> that, that would be horrible, but... Uh, but I, I didn't know that everywhere was opening Friday. I didn't know if you guys had special rules. We do, we which is why it's this Friday as opposed to uh, two Fridays ago. Oh, uh, yeah, I guess that's true because we are like, 
Well, so is that just for like the city area? The the mask indoors? That's statewide, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So like every Kate was like everybody on her Facebook is like freaking out and like yelling at how the government's overreaching their bounds by making people wear masks that they are a, a, a rule that's like only enforceable by the health department though. Yeah. And then it only comes back on the business owners. Yeah. So in reality, it's just the business owners are like, well, we have to have people wear masks. Yep. And I don't. I, I, I don't know. I, I think it's probably a good idea. I, I know it's probably a good idea, but I know, I know what you're gonna say is any government is bad government. Yes. <laughs> oh shit! All right. Oh, but we were okay. One final thing before we get because now we're on the coronavirus topic. I think we, I think my parent, my parents and I were kind of talking about this earlier. Is like Memorial Day? Did like everybody you know just say like fuck it? Let's let's gather in mass. I don't know, honestly. I well, I have one one friend, Morrison. He went down to South Carolina and just said fuck it. Uh, Marone is a hermit, so she didn't. I don't yeah. think. Um, then hmm, let me think. No, I'm not aware of that happening, but I mean. Yeah, you know, like a most, lot of people I knew. Most like, of the people, most of the people I know are still in like areas where the lockdown's pretty heavily on. Hmm. Well, because because most people like Kate and I knew were like, yeah, whatever, let's get out of here, let's go do some party, and and then a lot of people my parents knew. So I think like two weeks from now is going to be a really good indicator of like the actual state of this virus. Well, I mean, Florida and Georgia are doing fine, and they opened up a month ago. That's tr- I saw this thing today. I don't know if it's actually true, but apparently, like two thirds of all cases are just like New York and the immediate area surrounding New York, like yes, Jersey. And- uh, well, two third. Well, not two thirds. I think if that's two thirds, if you include like Detroit and uh, Chicago, and then New York and the immediate area around New York. Uh, okay. But so maybe I, it was like a graphic. Maybe I didn't study it enough. Yeah, but, but yeah, it's basically there's essentially three metropolitan areas account for two thirds of all the which cases. Which makes sense, and I don't know. I'm starting to lean towards like maybe this isn't that bad. Well, it's also but worth noting. I saw a statistic, and once again, this is coronavirus stuff. So if you're upset about this, because this is all anyone can talk about, because it's the only thing happening. Um, then just skip ahead like five minutes. Uh, but I saw one statistic that nursing homes, uh, nursing homes residents account for 1.8% of the U.S. population. They account for 42% of the, uh, fatalities. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, because a lot of places are making nursing homes take sick people and then like the whole place gets it. Like that one place in Morgantown had like 30 cases. Yeah. And because it's just a bunch of very susceptible people living together. Yeah. I think we talked about this last week. So we won't go super into that topic. Yeah, but then we, we may have. But instead of people talking about that sort of thing in the news, people are upset because Florida let people go to the beach. <laughs> I mean Yeah. Although some of those beaches are like ridiculously like I've seen have you seen the pictures of like all the beach bars that are like wall to wall? Uh, I, I saw one, but that was like in Missouri. Oh, uh, well. That I, was I, at the Ozarks in Missouri. Uh, no, I haven't seen a few from like, I think it's like Florida, South Carolina, those good old places. And, uh, I mean, and granted these pictures are probably taken to like make it look as packed as possible because that's what journalism is, is reaction baiting, I guess. Well, that's but, the, uh, that's, uh, that, that's the, I, what's the... I can't remember what the name for the effect is, but it's when you're... I think someone called it the New Yorker effect, where if you sit down and read a 10,000-word essay in the New Yorker about a topic that you know a lot about, then you will just pick out flaws throughout. Like, it's just deeply flawed because the person... It's a journalist who isn't an expert in it. They're trying to learn about it and then relay that information to their readers. So they are very likely to like misinterpret or misunderstand or just 
not care about whether they're right or wrong about something, and then say it, and then write some things that just are a few mistakes or misinterpretations, and then you'll get kind of irritated with it. But then you'll move on to the next story and be like, "Oh, that's an interesting story about boats." And yeah. it's, it's <laughs> begs it begs the question: if that's how they do it with things, if you notice that that's how they do it with things that you know a lot about, what's to say that they don't do that with things that? you don't know a lot about and so they're giving you an incorrect perception of what's actually going on in other areas yeah that's true i don't i don't trust any journalists the only person i trust is my man jc so let's move on bless up bless up baby (laughs) i too Uh, i too love my magical sky wizard it's good good stuff good advice saying except for all these people that are like don't wear a mask. God will protect you. And it's like, uh... God works in mysterious ways. Is something that apparently only works when something terrible, terrible, terribly awful <laughs> happens. But when that mysterious way is someone saying, wear a fucking mask, <laughs> that apparently can't possibly make any sense. <laughs> yeah. Alright, well there's enough of that about that, but this does... Speaking of killing a bunch of other people, let's move on to our first movie this week. <laughs> Natural Born Killers. Alright, so... You, you give, go ahead and give the synopsis, because I did not get through the whole movie. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, you're going to have to take it. I guess this is your movie anyway, so... So, this movie is about Woody Harrelson and... I don't actually remember the lead actress's name, but it's Mickey and, uh, God, I'm just blanking. Mar- Mar- what? another M name, I thought. Yeah. Is it like Marvin? Or like... No, Ma- I think it's like Monica. Yeah, uh, sure. Mickey and, it doesn't matter. It's not important. But they are, uh, it starts essentially with them walking into, I believe it starts with them walking into a diner. And you come to find out that they are actually on a mass murder spree going around just arbitrarily killing a bunch of people in public places and just leaving one person alive so that they can say who it was that, uh, that did it. Then there's Robert Downey Jr. who plays the lead journalist that's covering what's going on. And for the first hour or so of the movie... It's just sort of following as the media reacts to what's happening and as they're trying to evade the police and everything that they're doing. And then about halfway through the movie, they get caught and put in jail where the warden is Tommy Lee Jones. And at that point, Robert Downey Jr. gets a chance to interview uh, Woody Harrelson, at which point Mallory, Mallory's her name, yeah, that's it. Uh, so he interviews Mickey and is doing it live right after the Super Bowl. And what ends up happening is there's a riot that takes place simultaneously with this interview. And so Mickey then proceeds with all the distraction manages to steal the shotgun from one of the guards and take everyone else hostage before in order to go uh, break Mallory out of prison and basically go about their merry way. And that's just the, the most simplistic version of the plot. So what was it that, why was it that you weren't able to, to finish this movie? What was it that you found uh, unappealing? So, yeah, I made it to write about, like, I write... I think it's like when he meets when Robert Downey Jr. meets Woody Harrelson's character for the first time. I don't think it was during the interview. Like it was like wherever in the in the jail, but I think yeah. it was before the interview. Yeah, he's um, uh, so doing a pre-interview, asking him to do the live interview. Yep. Yeah. So I made it to about there, and I like. I don't want to say I didn't like the movie, but I just couldn't stand how it was shot. So like how every like every other scene is a different color or like upside down or whatever not upside down but like really tilted, and then just the the whole 
weird like sitcom-esque bullshit they did in the beginning with uh jim belushi Is that jim no belushi? it's rodney dangerfield rodney it's, dangerfield yeah i forgot to mention that they did like a 15 or 20 minute span uh explaining the backstory of how mickey and mallory met and uh, how the first people they killed were her mother and father. Yeah, and so so during that, like I don't know, I just didn't like that part. It was just it was just too out there, and to me felt disheveled. And I I like I didn't care as much as I maybe should have to keep going. This was I did these movies back to back today because I like yesterday being a holiday. I was I like lost track of my normal schedule. Mm-hmm. So that could have played into it a little bit too, but I just I didn't really care about the story enough to keep watching the like direction, di- like the the directing or like editing style, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I understand that. That honestly, I didn't particularly care for that either. But I think that was sort of the point: is that there's all there's never any sort of calm because this movie was about as blatant and obvious of a criticism of the of the media and just media culture in the United States as humanly possible. The only way it could have been more blatant is that they literally printed it on the screen and, so that you could read the message out loud to yourself. The Yeah. I mean, they had the, the media was essentially represented by Robert Downey Jr., who is a clear scumbag who's cheating on his wife, who uh, doesn't care about anyone or anything but himself and his ratings, and is ends up, uh, spoiler, he ends up helping them to escape the prison, and it's almost, ob- it's pretty obviously just an attempt to get better ratings. Yeah, I, I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to, like, towards the... the- like the the end of my watching, but that is all Robert Downey Jr.'s character. I can remember him saying is just like ratings, public perception, stuff like that. And I mean, even throughout the whole thing, every time it cuts to a TV, it's something like it's either the media tell, like talking about how much people love the, these two people on like a crime spree, and then kind of portraying them as like not not necessarily heroes but like something to be idolized you know there's so many of the scenes where like or it's it's that one like string of interviews where people are like yeah. yeah they're cool like we don't support it but they're cool you know probably the best line in the entire movie is if i were a mass murderer i'd be mickey <laughs> mickey and mallory yeah uh, and then they also use the tv a lot to like just show violence which yeah. i think was another criticism of just like how like like violence is numb like people people in america are numb to violence and then also the media is just perpetuating it by like making it you like making violent people famous yeah they're not thinking they aren't thinking about doing what's right they're thinking about what's good for themselves this is also oliver stone so it's probably a uh, an indictment of the corp uh, the corporate the corporate profit-driven nature of news and uh, television and medias in general because they are glorifying mass murderers to the point that uh, that it's okay that basically people think that like are fans of Mickey and Mallory and yeah. it's it's basically trying to make the point that it's not that it's it's not okay and that that's a bad thing and that it's almost entirely due to the media coverage of them. And you can tell that that's the message they're sending, because if you couldn't tell up to that point, at the very end, the last few cuts are basically just live shots from trials that had taken place, live murder murder trials, like the... uh, like the Rodney King... Well, I'm not sure if the Rodney King one was there, but like O.J. Simpson... Okay, yeah. So things where they sensationalized murder and violence and made that the most compelling story in the country, and also it didn't didn't hurt that at different points they had like Woody Harrelson and Mallory and Robert Downey Jr. basically covered in blood, and Robert Downey Jr. basically had devil horns at one point in one of like the quick shots where they 
just intersperse it in there. It's yeah. It's basically supposed to be an assault on the senses because and as a way of just demonstrating what media is doing to people's lives nowadays but in like an exaggerated sense that i i like that description of it that does i mean that kind of plays into the parts i didn't like so i get that those are intentional it's still just i i like the whole one whole scene was like green the next one's like slanted all weird the camera's always twisting around so yeah i think i think it does do a good job of that but I just not for me, I guess. Yeah, it did a good job of making the point, but it really distracted. It also like if that's it made it difficult to watch and kind of annoying. Uh, fun fact: this was actually written in part by Quentin Tarantino. It had a very Tarantino vibe to it. It reminded me a lot of whatever that movie I always mentioned, but I can't think of. That was a Tarantino film. Well, you said like you the, haven't seen Pulp Fiction before, right? Yeah, no, no not Pulp Fiction. Um, like the, I'll I'll think of it in a minute and hatefully put it in the description. Django. No, Unchained? it's like it's a very obscure one. We've had this exact conversation on here before. You haven't you haven't seen Jackie Brown? Yeah. Death Proof. No, it, let me, here. I'll oh, is you. this that one that he like directed, but wasn't like a Tarantino movie? Uh, Quote unquote. No, it's, tr- it's true romance. Yeah. No. Oh, the one with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, I don't think so. Oh, I'm thinking True Lies. No, I'm thinking it's true Christian Lies. Slater. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've never seen True Romance, and I honestly, you're the only person who's ever told me about True Romance. <laughs> well, this movie felt a lot like it, but only like more distracting, I guess. And also, the last thing I will say about that, like, I don't really have any other standout parts of the movie. I thought all the performances were fine. Like, the writing kind of, like, it made sense. Um, it was just kind of like average for me overall. But, it, and but obviously, I really got hung up on like the cuts and the editing and bullshit because I'm gonna say this is like that kind of took away from like. I think the seriousness of the message, I or maybe yeah. not of the message, but it just took it made the f- whole film feel kind of cheesy, at least to me. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I but then again, like I said, I think it was meant to be over the top because if you pay attention to what everyone's doing, like all the ma- the major actors, Robert Downey Jr., Woody Harrelson, Juliette Lewis, Tommy Lee Jones. They're absolutely, uh, Rodney Dangerfield, they are absolutely over the top and just chewing the scenery in all of their, in all of their scenes. So yeah. the, the, I think that was sort of the point was to really play that up. Uh, but overall, I'd say it was decent. I honestly wouldn't really want to watch it again. Yeah, I have, I have no desire to go back to it. Honestly, but, like it gets its message across, but I did not find it especially like entertaining for the first, at least the first half. It was just so disjointed and all over the place that I'm not, I wasn't a big fan of it. Yeah, I, I agree. I can't speak to the second half, but I, I agree. I didn't, first half was, was, like you said, disjointed all over the place and it's not, not super great. The uh, the prison escape was exciting. I uh, didn't make it there. I'll probably never see it. Although I will say that the... I'm not sure if Oliver Stone was trying to make a point. But basically, during the live interview, they had Woody Harrelson doing his manifesto about how murder is pure and kind of beautiful because it's part of nature or something. I'm not sure if that was something that like Oliver Stone actually believed, or if it's just what he imagines a like a mass murderer has to believe. Uh, I don't know. I don't think I can answer. Maybe we'll write him, yeah. Oliver Stone. If you're listening, how about you write us? Actually, I think he's dead. Oh shit! Well, now we gotta take it back up with my man JC. <laughs> <laughs> well, I uh, as as controversial as it may be, I think we may be putting this in the trailer trash portion. I, I I would agree with it. I can't give a full vote because I didn't watch the whole thing, but I, from what I saw, the trailer trash. And uh, I guess now we'll move on. Oh shit, he's still alive. You can write oh, him. Man, okay, never mind. Oliver Stone, I'm coming for you. I'm not gonna. I'm not like I'm not threateningly. I'm just, 
We'll write. We'll write him a letter. He Maybe is seventy. He is seventy-three years old. Can we tweet at him and finally use the Twitter for that? I mean, he I can. doubt he has a Twitter. I I don't. Like, he has a Twitter, uh, or like I'm sure his team has a Twitter, but yeah. We'll see. Maybe tweet at him and ask him if he believes Woody Harrelson's manifesto and this movie he wrote, directed however many years ago, 20 years ago, 30, 40 years? Was this in the 90s? 30 years ago? 94. It was 26 years ago. Yep. Alright, well, uh, yeah, if you don't have anything else, I think we should probably move move on to the killing of a sacred deer. So I'll let you take this one over. Did you get a chance to watch it? I did, yes. Okay, so The Killing of the Sacred Deer is by the same guy who did The Lobster. Yeah, that was so incredibly obvious the entire time I was watching it. Yeah, as soon as it started out, like Colin Farrell was just like monotonely droning on about shit and like all the conversations were very awkward i was like oh no i've accidentally found myself here again i didn't (laughs) we've done it again (laughs) i didn't know until afterwards but i will say well actually okay so let me give the synopsis first so it's about colin farrell who is a heart surgeon some type of i think a heart surgeon yeah it's a heart surgeon vascular type deal man and uh he the movie follows him and pretty much his relationship with his family and his relationship with this young boy that are like like i don't know like 15 Six, 16, he's year 16 old boy. years old i believe yeah who you don't like you, you don't know who he is at first and you kind of like evolvingly find out that this is the son of a man that had died on his operating table yes and and then it pretty much just turns into, and this is, I mean, I'm not going to spoil it, spoil it, but this is, essentially what happens is that his family, and this is where the movie kind of opens up two paths, and we can talk about that in a second. Yeah, well, this is this is the thing, is we can't really talk about this movie without talking about the major plot point. I think that they, I think, and I should have seen that, watched the trailer before, to see for certain but i believe that it tells what the main thing is about how his family starts getting sick yeah so i don't know i guess we'll we just we won't spoil the very very end but we'll spoil maybe kind of up to it so be wary but also i'm not going to recommend anyone watch this, this movie so we'll we'll see how we'll see what happens but anyway so his family starts getting sick one by one and then like in the scene, in like a scene where the he the boy comes to the hospital to visit Colin Farrell's character's sick son, they like meet in the hospital cafeteria, and that at that point like the boy like the the boy's name is Martin, I think. Yes. Or was he Martin? Martin? Yeah, it was Martin and Stephen. Yeah, so Martin, he like reveals that. Not to be confused hit, with Steve Martin, the comedic actor. Yeah, Steve Martin's not in this film. If he was, he was an extra. Um, but he. He like reveals that this will happen to each member of his family until he choo- like he uh, Colin Farrell's character chooses one that will die because this has how it has to be because he took a f- member of Martin the boy's family um, from him like when he he shouldn't have died on that operating table essentially and then like the wife does some digging and finds out that. You know, maybe he was drinking a few too many drinks that day before the surgery. So then, like, is it really his fault? And it, it just kind of it comes to a peak where he has to figure out how to deal with his family slowly dying, um, or choose one of them to kill. Yeah. And that I mean that's, that's where we can leave it for now. I don't know if we're going to get into more. Uh, like, we don't have to talk about the end after that. But here is what I want to talk to you about. What do you think was the driving force behind this this like illness? Like what caused it? Some sort of like basically it was fucking voodoo is the best explanation. That's the most annoying like I understand why it had to be like unexplained and just left ambiguous because no matter what answer would have been given for causing this it wouldn't have been sufficient because people would poke holes in it and there would be obvious holes in it. 
But it's just kind of annoying that this kid just has this fucking superpower, apparently, to cause people to start dying. See, that's what I initially thought, but I, I don't know. I, towards the end of it, I changed my answer. And I think that just might be how the world works. Like, it, it, it reminded me a lot of the lobster in the sense that, like, this world would exist with absolutely no connection or, like, logical or like logic that makes sense to our world but just like the matter of factory factually way i don't know that might not be right the matter like the matter of fact way that that kid explained like what was going to happen coupled with the fact that they had clearly been like like shooting the shit for a couple months like i think if he was gonna like i think i think if he was the main bad guy there would have been a section that was like or like if he could control it, I mean, there was a, there would have been a section where he decided that what like these gestures Colin Farrell were were given, like he got him gifts and all that kind of stuff, so his gestures weren't good enough, which I guess could be when he like turned down his mom. Yeah, so well, I don't know. I'm I think back. I I'm gonna push back on that because he demonstrated the ability to control it when he let Kim walk to the window, which also was the funniest scene in the entire movie. because bob was like well she can walk i must be able to and then proceeded to just roll his sorry (laughs) just flop onto the floor yeah but but except okay so i that's part of also what i thought when he was controlling it but then like bob could walk too for a hot minute yes but it wasn't it was like for a, it was after it had started, but Kim had already been hospitalized with it. Like, this was not something where they just did a few tests during the day. This is something that was hours and hours afterwards. I guess, but I, I guess Bob's was shorter. But that's when I thought that maybe this is just how the world works. Like, karma is real, and it is fast-acting, and it is coming to get you in however long. Well, that, maybe... the problem with that theory is that there's a bunch of doctors that are that don't just accept this, and the family doesn't just accept this. They're like, how is this happening? Why is this happening? So it, Yeah, that's it, true. It, like, suggests... it would be more of a norm. Yeah, and Unless so it's that's... Different every time i don't know i think maybe i'm back on board then martin it was just spooky yeah and also the whole i i think the entire message behind like how the message behind the lobster was the was sort of a critique of society and the different tribes that people join in on and the willingness people are willing to uh, the willingness people have to succumb to mistreatment and uh, ridiculous uh, consequences and rules in yeah. exchange for membership of a group and their own particular tribe. But this one, the killing of a sacred deer, I have no idea what the fucking point of it was. Was it a weird uh, acknowledgement on justice and responsibility for one's actions? So this one is more I, – I actually – I knew – like the title tells you exactly what this is. This is just a Greek myth retold. I think okay. it's a myth or like a play. I don't know. Like we had a serious man that's kind of Job. Well, this is – shit, what's the name? They mention it in – when he goes to the high school and like talks to the teacher about like each of his kids. Like he's like, which kid do I kill? Ano- yeah, that was another hilarious <laughs> scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like trying to make his, this like principal or whoever. Just that's just the another. fucking concept that you go to the goddamn you go to the goddamn principal <laughs> to think to get information about which kid you should kill. <laughs> yeah, but he mentions it like how the girls good at literature. They talk about like the the tragedy of shit. What, uh, like if Iphigenia or whatever. Yeah, Iphigenia. Yeah, which is. I think it's either a myth or, like, from an old play. But essentially, it's, like, around the time of the Trojan War, a bunch of people from Greece are trying to go to Troy, 
And along the way, one of this this general kills a deer, which happens to be like one of the forest hunter goddesses Artemis's sacred deer. Uh huh. And then she demands that he sacrifice Iphigenia as like retribution, or she won't let him get to Troy. And I could be butchering that. That's like like a bunch of just bullshit knowledge that I have from fucking with Greek mythology at some point in my life you know what the irony of this is is that i actually have not i am in the middle like a hundred pages into a book on greek mythology and the the iliad which i assume contains this because it's a bunch of people going to troy uh isn't until like page 400 so i just have so you might actually you might be able to tell us more but I'm, i'm pretty sure that's like the gist of the story um and then are there different endings, maybe? I don't know. I don't really remember. So it's it's kind of just exactly that. Just, I don't want to call it, like a, I, guess, I guess, a semi-modern retelling. I guess it's pretty modern if you don't buy into, like, the, the karma is the benefactor here, or the, the malevolent force, not benefactor. So I, I don't think this one is as much, like, social commentary as the lobster was. But... Yeah, so, like, I, 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 this brings me to this, which I agree with you, is, like, what was the point? Because this was a two-hour-long movie, and no part of it justified the story it was going to tell, like, taking that long. No. And that was my biggest problem with it. Well, the, the first 40 minutes exist for just no reason. Yeah, like, they could have cut 30, 40 minutes off. I would have been a lot more on board with this movie and, like, the, you know, up-in-the-air bullshit. They like, basically just spent the 40 minutes showing us how creepy Martin was. Which is another point. I thought that kid was a great role. Like, he did perfect in his performance. 100% yes. Yeah, I really did enjoy his performance. I thought it was by far the best part of this movie of just, like, how creepy and, like, awkward but kind of charismatic he was. It's better than listening to fucking Colin Farrell just be, like, mumbling about his fucking wristwatch or whatever. Yeah. But, yeah, it was way too long for the story it told, which, like, I like I like the discussion. I like that it has, like, the ability to create the discussion of, like, what's going on. But it t- took way too long to do it. Yeah, no, the... Because it didn't even get around to it. It's basically... It does not need to spend 30 or 40 minutes introducing you to Martin. Also, the fact that there is apparently this relationship developing between Kim and Martin is the most annoying part about this movie. Yeah. Like, one, you've met this guy, you've met this kid once, and now you're just deeply, madly in love with him and willing to sacrifice your fucking family to elope with him? Yeah. But one another kind of point I did enjoy about the movie, and then we'll probably wrap it up, and at least got more to say, is like how each member of the family is like trying their hardest to get the dad not to pick them. Yeah, that's it's like great. I just thought that was a good series of scenes, and it really just kind of, I don't know, like... You want to talk about dark humor? <laughs> The fact that the kid's like, I'll chop off my, I'll chop off my hair so that my that dad will love me more, and I'll tell him that I want to be a cardiologist instead of an ophthalmologist so that he'll love me more, and then the the mom being like, well, the logical choice is to kill the kids. Yeah, so like I understand the kids acting for their own survival, you know, but like I think, and maybe that's a movie playing on expectations, but when the mom's like. We kill the kids. We can just have another one. You're just like, okay, that's the the like, casual nature with which the two kids are saying, are talking about how he's definitely gonna pick the other one. It's like, yeah, mom and dad didn't want me to tell you. Uh, they already <laughs> bought me a piano. It's coming next month. Uh, sorry to say. And then she's like. Well, you know, I am ju- I've already lost my other MP3. It's a real shame. So I have to ask, when you're dead, can I have your MP3? <laughs> yeah, that line was was good. Oh, okay. So this just jogged my memory about something though, and I think I'm definitely on board with more Martin being like voodoo whatever. 
is because police exist in this world. Yes. And if you had, like, definite karma, there wouldn't be a need for police officers. Yeah. Because there's the one scene where they're like, because I was like, why don't they, I was going to talk about why they never, like, tried to retaliate against Martin. Except for then Nicole Kidman, who's the wife, we haven't mentioned she's in this yet. And that one scene is like, we can't go to the police, like, what would they even do? I guess because they know they're just being fucked with by some, like, voodoo teen. I, I, this is just a weird movie, man. I don't know. Yeah, well, that's that's another thing. Why didn't they kill him after they took care of the whole situation? Like, after they grew the... Like, they got the power... After Kim... Uh, after the kids got the got the power of their limbs back, or the, the family, and I'm trying really hard not to spoil the end. <laughs> Uh, the, after they grew the power of their, their limbs back, in what world are you not thinking, okay, this guy is now responsible for a member of my family being dead. I'm going to kill him. Yeah. Not to mention the fact that, like, one member of your family is dead because you shot them, uh, because you shot them or killed them or whatever happened. Once again, trying really hard. <laughs> okay, he shot. He shot one of them. That's the that's the giveaway that I'll give for the ending of the movie. But he shot one of them, and just we're just assuming that no one starts asking questions about like, hey, where's uh, where's this member of your family? Yeah, I don't. know. They had to do some kind of cover up, and that just they just blow over that whole thing in the movie. So, yeah, I didn't really appreciate that part. Didn't you just get, like, a nice one week later or whatever, and then it's, like... I thought uh, it hey, said, Martin. like, sometime later. Yeah, maybe it's sometime later. I don't remember. But, yeah, so, like, they definitely could have killed Martin after that, because they had the opportunity before, but he was, like, kill me, dig a big hole, because everyone else dies, too. For, like, I guess implying that he did have the power to stop it, yeah, well, the question or, then is, like, maybe if you do kill him, then that they were afraid that that would mean that everyone in his and the family would die now? Yeah, I guess. I, I don't know. This movie was, like I said, I, I do appreciate the, like, the com- like this conversation you can have about it, because I like this kind of ambiguity in films, but it was way too long. Yeah, no, they easily could have trimmed 20 minutes off of it. Alright, but before this gets way too long, I think we should wrap up. Do you have any final things? Nope, uh, just a quick summary. So I think we're probably unanimous in the fact that both of these movies are trailer trash. Yeah, not not worth the time. Yeah, I mean, they're not necessarily bad, but they're not the worst. They're not the great choices. Yeah. And uh, that's pretty much all I have for this week. Yeah, I guess you got your plugs in earlier. Uh, this is a Twitter. It has a Twitter. It's, I, I'm going to stop plugging the Twitter until we use the Twitter, but we have a Twitter. And uh, thanks. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Until next time? Until next time?